So let's go ahead and um, begin in Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14, very familiar passage. Revelation 14, verse 6 and 7. The three angels' message. The temptation is to go through all of the angels' message, talk about the prophetic eschatological uh, ramifications that this message has, talk about our duty and our job to do a word-by-word study. That's my temptation when I go here. But we only have time to just go through what the three angels' message and evangelism, how that relates together. So Revelation 14, verse 6, some of us probably have this memorized. And I saw another angel fly in the middle of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. The very beginning of the of the three angels message starts with the gospel. And you are to not just study the gospel, you are to share the gospel. That's what we forget sometimes when we look at the three angels message, we sit around and we do a Hebrew, Greek, uh, Old Testament, New Testament study on word for word and, and everything else. Now, that's fine, but if we are not sharing the gospel, there's no power. The power comes in sharing the gospel in our lives. Verse 7, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the uh, fountains of water. I love this passage because it gives the timing Time is necessary when it comes to decision-making. For example, how many of you woke up maybe at 3.30 in the morning? Maybe you had to use the restroom. Maybe you were thirsty. You woke up at 3.30 in the morning, and do you know that feeling? You wake up, and it's dark. You don't know what time it is, and you are hoping you have more time to sleep, right? That is usually what happens. You, You wake up, and right before you look at your clock, you know that if it has six on it or seven, you know you're in trouble. But if it's in the twos and threes, you know, you can still sleep, right? That's usually what happens. And it's interesting because if it's three in the morning, you look at it and you have relief. Get your drink of water, maybe use the restroom, go right back to sleep, right? You know you have another couple hours of sleep. However, if it is a work day and you look at the clock and it says 6.30 or 7 or whatever it is, depending what time you have to be at work, the moment you look at that clock, you know that the hour of judgment has come right? You know that because of what time it is, you need to get moving. Time dictates our behavior. I don't know if you realize that. Time dictates our behavior. That's why when you're listening to a sermon and it gets past 1230 or so, you are starting to get a little antsy, right? Time dictates our behavior versus being at 11 in the morning or 1130. With that being said, God gives us this message and then he gives us the timing and he says, fear God for the hour of the judgment is come. In other words, get your act together. Let's get serious right now. It's cram session time. What are you like an hour before the final exam, right? I can tell you what I'm like. I'm cramming, right? That's the same thing. What are you like in the hour of judgment? God is saying we need to do desperate things. We need to do whatever we can to get the message out because the hour of judgment has come. Now, we're going to do a quick study on what it means to fear God. Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of judgment has come. What does it mean to fear God? Let's go in our Bibles to Proverbs 8, verse 13. A quick little word study on what it means to fear God. What does it mean to fear God? Proverbs 8, verse 13. Let's turn there. There's a couple of definitions for fearing God. 
Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 13 tells us what it means to fear God. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 13. The Bible says this. The fear of the Lord is to do what, everyone? Hate evil, evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. So when the Bible says, fear God, what's another definition for fearing God? Hating evil. Correct. Let's go to another place. Exodus 20, verse 20. Exodus chapter 20, verse 20. What does it mean? To hate evil, Exodus chapter 20, verse 20. This is after the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verse 20. Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that you, what? Sin not. So, the first definition of Fearing God means to hate evil and to sin not, right? In other words, you have a healthy respect or reverence for God that you don't want to sin. If I can use an illustration, I'm sure many of you remember what it was like growing up, and I'm sure many of you had the healthy fear in your hearts about your father, at least I did. Uh, when I was growing up, I remember there was a time when, you know, obviously I would, I would receive punishment. And I was getting older and bigger to the point where my mother really couldn't spank me. It wouldn't hurt anymore. But my mother would say something, and she would say these words, wait till your, right, wait till your dad, wait till your father comes. And something about that phrase struck fear in my heart. Not that I was naturally scared of him. But because I knew I had a healthy respect and reverence for him. And in that way, we are to have a healthy fear and respect and reverence for our Heavenly Father. Because we fear God, we reverence him, that causes us to not sin. We don't want to sin because of that. We want to hate evil. Now let's go to our next definition of fearing God. Let's now go to Psalms 111 verse 10. So we continue on. What does it mean to fear God? Psalm one eleven, verse 10. Now that we know that we are to hate evil, Psalms 111, verse 10, gives us another definition, or I should say not another, it's, it's a continues on. You have the phrase fearing God multiple times in the Bible. In Psalm 111, verse 10, it says, the fear of the Lord is to what, everyone? Sin, remember? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of of wisdom. Now watch this. It goes on. It says, a good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endures forever. So it goes along with keeping the commandments. Now that I fear God, I hate evil, I sin not, I want to learn more about God and his character and get wisdom. And so if I fear God, I hate evil, I love him. And when I love someone, I want to learn more about them. And as you learn more about God, you get wisdom. Now that you are learning and growing and getting wisdom, what do you do with that wisdom? Good, right? Let's go in our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. Proverbs 11, verse 30. So again, let's, yeah, 
Proverbs 11, verse 30. So if, if you remember this progression, three angels' message, it says, fear God and give glory to Him. What does it mean to fear God? Hate evil, to sin not, to do His commandments. We also see that fearing God, you don't want to sin. So now you want to learn more and, and grow in your relationship with God. As you are learning more and growing with your relationship with God, you're getting wisdom. As you're learning and growing and getting wisdom, what do you do with that wisdom? Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30, it says, He that winneth souls is wise. So now that you have grown in your relationship with God, now that you have received wisdom, you are to win souls. Do you understand now the importance of evangelism, the importance of winning, of soul winning? Um, I actually have a few pictures. My good little buddy here, Jordan, is here when I did an evangelistic series at, at her church and and that, this is when we decided to be part of the Misfits, and there was a group of the original five, and we're like, all right, let's go ahead and quit our job. Let's go ahead and take time off school, and let's go um, give our hearts to God and, and serve Him. And again, we didn't know what we were doing, and we just experimented, and we had to learn. And so, uh, again, I, as, as Sean Boonstra told me, the best thing regarding evangelism was to go out and do it. Now, it's interesting because as we learn more about God and His character, we want to share. Today, we're going to be talking very quickly about how to give a Bible study or how to prepare. In fact, um, I don't know if you have your answer sheets, but um, I have a little worksheet for all of you. And for those of you who have just come, I have all of this on PDF. If you want the materials, more than welcome to have it. We're going to be going through how to give a Bible study. So now that we know that we're to fear God, give glory to Him, for the hour of judgment has come, we're to be a soul winner. He that, has wisdom, he that winneth souls is wise. How do we win souls? Obviously, we're going to have to do Bible studies. We're going to have to study with them. But some of us are asking the question, how do I give a Bible study? So I have a little worksheet that talks about preparing Bible studies, okay? So let's go ahead and go through this. Um, I planned on doing a few other things, but we don't have very much time because uh, we have to end this session right at noon. When you prepare your Bible studies with people, what you want to do is you want to have, you want to start off with an introduction. So start off with an introduction, and we're going to be filling in the blanks, so hopefully you have all of this, you have a pen to write everything in. Choosing an introduction, the first point, you want to use, and this is where you're going to fill in, attention getters. Attention Getters, like stories, poems, visual aids, illustrations, rhetorical questions. So you want to use attention-getting devices. That's what you want to use. When you start off with your Bible study, your introduction should have some sort of attention-getting device, some sort of illustration. Uh, it could be personal. It could be sharing a little bit about yourself. What this does is that it helps you, second point, second fill in the uh, blank, helps you bridge, that next fill in the blank, helps you bridge the gap from conversation to Bible study. So if you think about it, um, and I'm going to use my wife here. Candace, why don't you come on up? Let's just say that you are meeting someone and you're going to have a Bible study with someone. If I just meet this person and you know somehow they've signed up for a Bible study 
and I just talked to the person. I said, oh, hey, what's your name? Candace. Oh, great. My name is Michael. It's good to meet you. I see that you signed up for Bible studies. Where do you want to start? Do you see how awkward that was? <laughs> there's no bridge. There's no anything else. But if you start a little bit such as, hi, my name is Michael. I see you uh, signed up for Bible studies. I'm very thankful. You know, just a little bit about myself. I actually signed up for Bible studies, I don't know, about 10 years ago. And it was, uh, uh, I, I learned about the Bible. I never thought that I could understand this thing. I thought it was difficult to understand. That's how I think it is. Oh, yeah. Is there something that you do for a living? or? I'm a teacher. Oh, you're a teacher. Great. Where do you teach at? I teach in Arizona. Oh, okay. What, what do you teach? Um, I teach education teach education. Okay, great. And I'm sure then you've probably read and learned that the Bible is the most quoted book of all time and how its effect on human literature. And okay, well, I'll be excited. I hope you're excited to get into this. I know that I am. Okay. I don't know if you caught the tension getting device was quickly an introduction about the Bible. Most quoted book, most uh, it's used by more people, its effect on human literature. So you want to have something where you go from conversation to the Bible study. And that's where you can just uh, have some sort of an introduction, some sort of gap, uh, a a bridging of the gap between conversation to getting into the actual Bible study. Okay, thank you. Okay, now when you have an introduction, when you think of, okay, how am I going to go from friend or conversation, making friends, conversation to the Bible study? Now that you've kind of figured out how to bridge that, you want to make sure you have points. And um, why do we have key points. If you are filling in the gap, the first one, uh, A, under A, the bullet point A, keeps you brief. Keeps you brief. If you don't have points, you can go long. You can say all sorts of things. You can go from one point to the other. You can go from, okay, so Let's go ahead and talk about the great controversy. And you go to Revelation 12, verse 7, and, and Michael and his angels. Oh, did you know that Michael is Jesus? Yeah, let me do a Bible study on that. Let's go to Daniel chapter 10. Let, let me show you more about that. You know, now you're going all over the place versus if you have points and you say, okay, my point number one is the great controversy, the very beginning of sin, what is sin? And you, and you have these brief outlines, you're not going to go all over the place. Even though you may be, might be tempted to go all over the place, if you have these brief points, you can say, okay, that's not part of my, my structure. I can't go there. Okay. Um, why do we want to keep it brief? You don't want to overload the person with information, and you don't want to wear out your welcome. Right. The last thing you want to do is someone to say, man, that was really long. It was like a marathon. You want it to be where someone is like, hey, I have about 45 minutes or an hour of free time before, from, from uh, school to work. Oh, great, I can be there. Uh, you know those people who, <laughs> you know those people where they call you and you don't want to pick up the phone because you know that's going to take like four hours? You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, okay, I'm going to have to decline that call because I will call them. Not that I don't like the person, but I will call that person when I have a Sunday that's free and I have nothing to do versus you also know those people who call you and it's very brief. They just want to know, hey, uh, where was, uh, can you tell me again the dates for Babylon and them ruling? You're like, oh, 605, 539 BC. Oh, thanks. That's it. You know, you know those people, they call you up and it's just those two minute, one minute, 
you know they're just going to ask you something and that's it. So you're like, oh, I can, I can pick up their call every single time versus the, the person who just sucks time out of you. You don't want to be that type of person. You don't want to be, you know, I really like Candace. She's awesome. We have a great time. But, man, it takes four hours. So you don't want to wear it your welcome. You want people to say, man, I, what I like about this guy is he's quick. He gets to the points, gives me the information, and, and I only have an hour of free time, pockets of free time, 45 minutes or an hour of free time, and it's perfect because he gets in and he's done, okay? All right, B, why do you have key points? Helps you stay on track. Helps you stay on track. Helps you stay on track. I already gave the example of someone going from one thing to another thing, so let's go next. C, why do you have key points? Helps you, fill in the blank here, lead the student. Helps you lead the student. If you have key points, you are leading the conversation. You're going and you're telling them point number one, point number two, point number three. Here, here are my three points or here are the three most important things. Um, I've also find that it's also very easy to uh, capsule at the end. Very easy to summarize your points. Um, one thing I appreciate about listening to different preachers or different uh, people is I love listening to preachers who, when you're done with the message, you're like, okay, there are three points. I understand the points, and I can repeat the points. That's usually a good sermon. Some of us, we listen to uh, amazing preachers. I listen to, I'll tell you, my favorite preacher is C.D. Brooks, but I can't replicate him. I am not C.D. Brooks. I'm sure many of us, we know that there are some talented preachers, you just can't preach like that. But there are other preachers, you listen to that message and you're like, wow, that was easy, that was simple. There are three points and I can share it with others. And that's the purpose of a sermon, is to inspire you so you can share it with others. The same thing with a Bible study. It's even more important with a Bible study for someone to listen to you, hear the points, and to be able to repeat the points. And if you're such a charismatic person at giving Bible studies, you know how those people, there are just some people who are so good. The problem is if you are too good, you're too good for the Bible study contact. They're going to be like, I can't do that. That guy's amazing. I mean, he's just so good. I, I can never do that. He just, just goes through the Bible. He knows it from memory. Just, he's so good. He, he has everything. He goes, every question I ask, he knows it. I find that those kind of people who give Bible studies are not as effective as a humble laborer who comes in and they have something printed out. They give it to Mrs. Jones they have their paper, and they say, Mrs. Jones, um, here's the first point we're going to study this afternoon. Easy, and I could do that. She's just looking at her points. I can do that, too. That's what you want. You want to go to someone, give a Bible study, and them saying, I could do that. The one thing you don't want is you go to a Bible study, or someone gives you a Bible study, and you're like, I could never do that. They're just so good. That's not what you want, okay? And points helps you make it simple, brief, lead the student, and uh, as it says, as we continue on reading, it helps the student retain more information, um, giving them the steps to the destination. One thing I like about points is it helps someone feel smart. A good, uh, a good speaker makes his audience feel smart, and points have a way of making your audience feel smart. They listen to the material. Oh, wow, I get that. Point one, point two, point three. I can do that. And I know where this person's going. And 
I, I can do it. Um, part of the reason why people watch movies, as you guys know, I'm sure you know that movies are predictable. You always have the exact same thing. You start off, there's some sort of uh, a, a book or any type of story, any type of play, there, there's the same format. And back in the world when I used to watch movies, you get to the point where, like, oh, I know what's going to happen next. This is going to happen next, right? But you feel smart. You're like, yeah, I like watching movies because I can predict what's going to happen. If you can get your Bible studies to the point where the person can predict, oh, they're going to go here, or I understand what's taking place next. They understand, okay, this is the plot. This is the, these are the characters. This is what we're talking about. I get it. They will understand it. They will retain the information, and they're most likely to share it. Okay, let's go to D. Let's go to D. Why do we do points? Gives you more time to listen. Gives you more time to listen. If you can go through your points briefly, you can also listen to maybe objections that they have. To, uh, you can also uh, do more time listening to some of the things that they're going through versus you taking a ton of time going through the Bible study and at the very end, you didn't have a chance to listen to them. There was no connection. They didn't get a dialogue. They didn't get to ask you any questions. Uh, because we always tell our, our, uh, our students, and this is a, just a good rule of thumb, if you're giving Bible studies with someone, you don't want to stay longer than about an hour. Now, if you've been invited for a special dinner or whatever it is, sure, you can extend that. But for the most part, you want to keep it brief, 45 minutes to an hour at the most. That way they will know, I love this person. I know that they will come in, give the Bible study, and they'll be gone, and I can go about and do my business. That's what you want, okay? Uh, I will say one thing, and that you have to throw out these rules when it comes to doing Hispanic Bible studies. So if you study with Spanish, you just throw out the window. You can stay there for hours. We found that for them, they love you. They love you. They want you, and you are their best friend the moment you walk in. So just what we found is that this applies to most, but what if, if you're doing a Spanish Bible study, it's very different. Um, also, it allows you to read and understand how well your student comprehends the study. So why do you want to have points? It allows you time to read and understand how well your student comprehends the study. How many points do you want to have? You want to have three points. Three points. If you have ten points, guess what? <laughs> You might as well not have any points. They won't remember it. They'd forget. They might remember the first one, maybe remember the last one. So you just want to choose three points. How do you choose these three points? Find the themes. This is the next fill in the blank. Find the theme and choose the goal and objective for the lesson. So what is your theme? My theme is... I want to show God's character of love within the great controversy. So within the great controversy, I want to show that God is love. I want to show that he could have, got, uh, he could have killed Satan immediately after Satan rebelled, but he didn't do that. Then I want to show another point. I want to show the story of Cain. Cain sinned, killed his brother, and God didn't destroy him. I show God's character of love. In fact, God set a mark on Cain as well. And you go through these stories, and I'm going to show the story of Saul. Saul was rejected by God. The mantle was pulled from him. But did God immediately take the kingdom away? No. Why didn't he take the, media, uh, the kingdom away? Uh, I found this out when I was reading this. Uh, many of you may remember the sermon last night. 
I thought that the close of probation for Saul ended at 1 Samuel 15 when he kept King Agag alive. Ellen White says that that's not the case. His close of probation ended when he con uh, spoke to the witch at Endor. And so God was trying and was pleading with him for many years, was saying, Saul, there's still time to repent. Give your heart to me. That's the reason why he kept Cain alive, is God pleads with people. God loves them so much. So I, I would, if I was doing a Bible study on the great controversy, I want to show God's character of love within the great controversy. Point one, show how he kept Satan alive. Point number two, show how he, he kept Cain alive. Point number three, show how he kept, uh, gave Saul, uh, kept Saul as king, even though he could have removed him. So those are some, some, uh, an example of three points to show a theme. It goes on to say, uh, helps you state what you want to accomplish. It is like a mission statement for the Bible study. So this is your theme. It gives you direction so you know what decision you want your student to make. Um, choose specific questions. This will help you. So you want to choose specific questions. When you are giving a Bible study, and this is very important. Make sure you take this down. When you are giving a Bible study with someone, the person who asks the questions has the power. When you're giving a Bible study, the person who asks the question has the power. That is same for the door as well. For those of you who knock doors, who talk to people at doors, if you ask the question, you have the power. And so what you want to do is find specific questions that you can ask. So if you're doing one on the Sabbath, some of the questions you might want to ask is, you can say, you know, Mrs. Jones, were Adam and Eve Jews? Yes or no? Why do you want to ask that question? Because many people believe that Sabbath was made for the Jews. So if you say, now, you know, Mrs. Jones, I know that some people, some people think the Sabbath is just for the Jews. But let me ask you a question. Were Adam and Eve Jews? No. The first Jew was Abraham, right? He's the father of the Israelite nation. So if Adam and Eve, yeah, we're all the sons uh, in a sense, but uh, literally that's when the, the nation of Israel started, right? When, when God chose Abraham, then Abraham had many sons, and of course you have Jacob, and Jacob had his, his uh, changed his name to Israel. But Adam and Eve were not Jews. So let me ask you a question. If Adam and Eve kept the Sabbath and they're not Jews, is the Sabbath then just for Jews? Do you see the questions that I'm leading the contact to? Those are the type of questions you want to ask. Another question regarding the Sabbath, I'll ask Mrs. Jones. Okay, so you believe the Sabbath was done away without the law? Let me ask you a question. Did you know that the Sabbath will be kept in heaven? So I try to ask simple questions. Mrs. Johnson will probably say, no, I didn't know that. Go to Isaiah chapter 66 and go through verse 21, 22, 23. And it talks about from one new moon to another new moon. It talks about the Sabbath being kept in heaven. So you're, what you want to do is you want to be able to ask questions. Okay. Okay. So choose three specific questions. You can choose more, but you want to make sure that in your Bible study, when you're preparing, you have specific questions that you've planned ahead of time. That's what you want to do. And of course, something very important, the next word that you want to put is always. So fill in the gap right here. Always bring out the cross. Always 
bring out the cross. Always bring out the cross. You want to find at least one point that's about Christ and him dying. Obviously, um, I have the verse there, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's much more difficult for them to deny a person than a doctrine. It's all about a relationship, not a religion. We all remember the story of Paul in Acts chapter 16, how he debated on Mars Hill, and Paul learned some valuable lessons. Although he was debating with the Greeks, and he was talking to them about um, using apologetics and, and using their language, Paul realized later on in his ministry, the most important thing is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So in the Sabbath, how can you show the Sabbath with Jesus Christ and Him crucified? Very easy. You go to Luke chapter 23, the last verses in Luke 24, and you say, even when Jesus died on the cross for you and for me, even when He took the sins of the world, we see that the Sabbath was being kept. Why didn't Jesus, why didn't He resurrect on Saturday morning? Why Sunday morning? Why? Because He was keeping the Sabbath. If you're talking about the state of the dead, how do you bring out the cross? When Jesus died on the cross for your sins, when he told the, the thief on the cross, when he said, Tomorrow, oh, I say to you today that you will be with me in paradise. See how you're bringing out the cross. Many people think that, that Jesus, that he went to Abraham's bosom. Many, many people think that Jesus went somewhere else, was preaching to the captives. But then you show them John, of course, 20, verse 17, uh, 17, verse 20, and it shows that when Jesus resurrected, John 20, verse 17, when Jesus resurrected, he says, don't touch me because I have not what? I haven't gone to see my father yet, right? And so you can see that even in the state of the dead, you go to the cross, you show uh, the cross, and you relate it, put it in with your Bible study. So every single time I do a Bible study, I try to show the life of Christ and the cross. And especially if you're studying with an evangelical, they'll appreciate that. Okay, okay let's go ahead and go to support and develop the points. And I have apologize, but um, let's see, is this the one? Let me look at this. I mean, I think there was a page missing on this one. Okay, let's see, did we have it? Oh, no, it, it's there. Okay, so support and develop your points. Yeah, there's another page. Whenever you have a point, whenever you have your question, make sure that you have a Bible text uh, to support that. You never want to say something without a Bible text. Uh, the moment you do that, you're in dangerous territory. So make sure that every single time you have a point, that you have a Bible verse that supports it. And of course, John chapter 5, verse 39, the next page, it says, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testified me. And we're going to be going through this some more later about uh, the Bible, the theme of the Bible and Bible studies, that the very theme of the Bible is Jesus. Okay, and then number two, our goal is to bring these people um, salvation in the hope we have in Jesus Christ. The Bible is what reveals his character. We're giving a Bible study, not an opinion study. So remember that. We're not giving our personal opinion. I can't stand it when I go to a Bible study and someone says, what do you think about this verse? It doesn't matter what I think about this verse. What does the Bible, what does the Bible want us to get out of this verse is what we should be asking. 
Um, number two, personal experience. It's important for you to have an illustration or a story. Uh, if you notice yesterday in my sermon, I brought out illustrations and stories to bring out those points and to, to make it alive. That's the same thing you want to do. And the final thing that you want to do that is not in your notes is you want to close. You want to make sure, number three, that's not in here, is you want to make sure you bring them to a point of decision. And we're going to go through that when we talk about gaining decisions. But the last thing you want to do in your decision, this is not in there, so make sure to write this in. The most important part of your Bible study is the close, is appealing to them. So make sure at the very end of the Bible study, and make sure you know what you're going to ask them. Don't make something up on the fly. So before the Bible study, at the very end, what you want to do is repeat your three points. And when you repeat your three points, you want to you see if your Bible study contact remembers the points. So you say, Mrs. Johnson, do you remember what we covered uh, in the first part of the study? Remember our first point? Do you remember our second point or third point? And if she says yes, yes, and yes, you know that she has retained the information, that she's really learned the information. Then at the end, because information without transformation is, is not our goal. We want to make sure that we're giving information to transform them, right? At the very end, you want to ask them for a decision. So think how bad it would be if I, I went through the study on the Sabbath. And I went through and I said, look, Genesis chapter 2 says in the very beginning, we kept the Sabbath. The very end of time, Isaiah 66, in heaven, we're, we're going to keep the Sabbath. In Luke chapter 4, verse 16, Jesus kept the Sabbath as his uh, custom was. In Acts chapter 13, Paul kept the Sabbath. So I'm going through and I talk about the Sabbath. And at the very end, after I've convinced this uh, Mrs. Johnson about the Sabbath, after I've told her that the Sabbath is is still practiced today by the Jews after I told her the Sabbath is the original day that it was changed by Constantine after I give all of this information at the very end I say well it was nice talking to you Mrs. Johnson good day what did I forget to do decision ask for decision and what should we be asking what is an appropriate question at the very end Mrs. Johnson, after listening to this study, after hearing and seeing from the scriptures what Jesus did, after seeing the story of creation and seeing what Adam and Eve did, after looking at the great apostle Paul and to see what day he kept, Mrs. Johnson, what day do you want to keep? You ask that first. What day do you want to keep? And after she says, I want to keep the Sabbath, then you go in for the real question is, would you like to make a decision, and here's the key point, today. You don't want them to make a decision tomorrow or for New Year's resolution. You want to ask and say, Mrs. Johnson, after hearing the study, do you want to make a decision today to keep the Sabbath holy from Friday night to Saturday night, the biblical day as we covered, do you want to make that decision today? And of course, this is where objections may come up. This is where, well, you know, I don't know about my job, da-da-da-da-da. By the way, if someone gives you that objection and says, I just don't know, 
if my job, I work at a big company and I'm required to work until 7 o'clock on Friday nights, what kind of objection or how can we meet that objection? What kind of hope can we give that person? Does anyone know? There's a couple of things you can do, but obviously you can show them um, the story, you show them scriptures. It's better to obey God than man. Um, but one thing that you can do is you can say, you know, Mrs. Johnson, our church has a special department called Religious Liberty, and we have hired lawyers to fight for you. Just how it says in Deuteronomy 3.22 that God will fight for you, we will fight for you as well. And we have lawyers, and we have letters that we can write your boss, and we have many court cases where we have won. And so you want to make sure that you give the person the um, confidence, right? That's what it says, right? Jesus says, Philippians 1 verse 6, being confident in this very thing, that he that began a good work in you. So you want to give the person confidence. This is, this is a big step for them. It's a lifestyle change. It means the difference between feeding their family and starving, right, for some people. So you want to make sure that you give them the confidence and give every available resource to them. When they make a decision, you, of course, want to give them Scripture. But in addition to Scripture, give them every earthly power that you possibly can to help them. Well, that's all the time we have right now. We have to end. We have a, uh, I think it's Booth's time from 12 to 1. And then after that, 1 o'clock is... Our, our lunch. Um, hopefully this information has been helpful to you. Amen. Amen. Uh, again, if you have uh, those cards, feel free to please write on them. Uh, maybe something that you think would help you out. That's my job. That's what they've asked me to do in regard to evangelism. So if you want to put your uh, topic, question, whatever it is, and maybe we can weave that in. I can weave it into one of the topics. How do I witness to this specific person? I can't promise everything, but I can promise that we can try to weave it in into some of the seminars. So if you want to fill something out, and then you can give it to, I guess, two of my assistants uh, back there, Spencer and Ilani, they can take <coughs> these cards. Um, thank you so much again for being a good, attentive audience. Um, I want to end now, of course, by asking you a decision. That's how you want to end, right? How many of you, you want to make the decision that you want to help lead someone to Christ? Amen whether it's a coworker, a family member, someone you want to study with them, you want to use them, the steps that you've learned to give a study to someone else. Praise God. Father in heaven, thank you for the things that we can learn. We thank you that wrapped into the three angels' message, before we see the second message and the third message, before we see <clears throat> what will happen and the, the death penalty for those who, who don't obey you, we see the gospel the good news, and we want to share that. And so I pray that you will open opportunities for each person under the sound of my voice, that someone will talk to them, a family member, a co-worker, and ask them for Bible studies. I pray that we can also take the initiative and ask people, ask them and, and say, hey, would you like to know more about the Bible? I've learned some new things. I'd like to share it. Help us to have confidence in you, in you alone. Help us to have boldness and courage and help us to understand the great privilege and responsibility that we have, that you empower us. Help us to use that power in the specific way that you asked us to use it. We love you and thank you for redeeming us. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, 
a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio, and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.